Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast that each and every week myself and the guy sitting across from me virtually uh, dissect, explore, uh, traverse, navigate, scrutinize even uh, craft beers and movies. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Yeah, we watch movies and drink beer. Yes, yeah. that's, that's fancy words. I like it. Just yeah. going for some adjectives. Yeah, you know, I will extrapolate at great length about some tasty beverages. Deal. I also feel like it may be an appropriate word would be reconnoiter, which is usually like an exploring word, but it's deemed only like for military stuff. And I feel like given that we're covering Spike Lee's new film, which is military adjacent at the very least, reconnoiter is now perhaps more than ever an appropriate term to use. 10-4. Okay. <laughs> uh, Johnny Summers, where can people find yes. us on the internet? Uh, on the internet, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. We have a Facebook; it's at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. Letterboxd, we're at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. Uh, email fhccast at gmail dot com. We are at freshhopcinema.com. That's our online home for all our fun stuff, and also Patreon dot com slash Fresh Hop Cinema, which is a really cool way to support artists and podcasts and all kinds of people. Uh, that are on there for as little as a dollar a week. You can support us. You can go up to a million dollars a week if you want. We would appreciate that very much. Uh, but all that money comes directly and goes directly back out into the show for buying beers. Someday we'll buy movie tickets again, maybe some popcorn if we're feeling fancy, uh, stuff like that. So it helps us out. If you like what you're hearing, consider donating because you will get bonus episodes every single week. Maybe some bonus beer reviews, uh, some uncensored, crazy off the cuff stuff. It's just it gets wild. You never I, know. I feel like you should plug your new idea. Uh, I had a new idea. Uh, and it's not entirely original. There's a couple movie things that I follow that uh, post memes about uh, imaginary, like fictional debates. Uh, for like well, the one that popped into my mind is who would win in a fist fight between John McClane and John Wick. Uh, it's going to be like the great John off, yeah, or something like that. Uh, and that would be a situation where me and Max maybe have a beer and break down that fight and what that would be like, and if there's dogs involved, and you know what where it's happening, genre, where it's happening. Do they it have shoes? Air, is it in an air duct? Right. Is it yes. Christmas time? Because exactly. if it's Christmas time, advantage McLean. Exactly. But summertime, advantage. Uh, who knows? Vic. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> so fashion? yeah, that's a new idea. That Ma- ooh, matters. Fashion. I think in a fight that would matter. Yeah. Yeah. Psych the other person out. You come better dressed. They're like, whoa, I didn't know what I was in for. Yeah. John Wick. Choke you out with your, with his tie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and he'd be like, whoa, I'm choking you. (laughs) So if that sort of thing sounds appealing to you again, check out patreon.com slash fresh shop cinema. We have at this point, hundreds of bonus episodes with all sorts of different stuff on there. And on that note, I want to give a shout out to one of our lovely, lovely patrons, Miyagi. Uh, If you're listening to this, the day this episode drops, it is his birthday. So if you know Miyagi, shoot him a text, uh, give him a call leave a tab open at a bar to buy him a beer, whatever you feel like doing. He's a great guy. Miyagi, we want to give you a shout out. Happy birthday, my friend. Hope it's a great one. Happy birthday, Miyagi. So housekeeping done. I believe it's time for our first beer of the show, Johnny Summers. And this one for the first time in a couple weeks, I have actually picked out. So if you don't mind me doing the honors, I shall do it. I'm going to open it. Okay. So. so this is a beer called tart and juicy. It's a sour IPA from Epic brewing. We haven't done Epic on the show since episode 97, where we covered their beer spiral jetty. 
we found out that we got a really old one because we both opened it and something was off, but we got really nerdy about what, what the spiral jetty is. You can go back and listen to that episode again, 97, but most of the time Epic is a really solid brewery. Um, big fan of a lot of their other stuff, but I've never had the tart and juicy Johnny. You have had this before, right? Yes, I have. And good experiences mostly. Uh, I can't say. It's a mystery. Fair enough. Okay, so I found this one today at SNS. It was canned on June 5th, so just, you know, very, very fresh. We're recording this on June 23rd, so less than a month old. Uh, it's technically classified on Beer Advocate as an American Wild Ale, and we'll get into that in a minute here because it does say uh, sour IPA. It's it's a kettle-soured beer with a bunch of hops. It's 4.5%, and there isn't too much on the internet about it, but I did find an article from craftbeer.com from back in 2016 when they first released this beer, and that article said... The brewers at Epic spent over 18 months developing their latest offering, Tart and Juicy Sour IPA, a unique fusion of puckering tartness and an abundance of juicy, citrus-driven hops. Tart and Juicy is a 4.5% fresh kettle-soured IPA with bright notes of grapefruit, agave, tangerine, and passion fruit. Johnny, are you getting those notes? Are you enjoying it this time around? Just general thoughts right off the bat. Uh, I'm not getting some of those fruits. I definitely get like a, a kind of a guava type thing. Uh, I'm not getting any passion fruit, but in my opinion, that's a good thing. I'm not the biggest passion fruit fan. Um, yeah, so I'm getting some of those. I have had this in the past. It was really good. I remember this being a fantastic hot weather beer, just something you could grab, take to the river or, you know, any outdoor activity and go, you know, crush it. Or even if you're just hanging out in the yard. So perfect for this time of year. Uh, from what I remember, I really liked it. And this time around, I don't think is any different. I haven't had it for probably maybe two years. I don't think I had this last summer. So it was, had to have been two summers ago. Um, it pours disconcertingly like dark. It looks like torpedo almost in its color. Are you in a dark uh, room though? Um, I don't know. Cause mine yeah, doesn't, I was, I was going to agree with you. It looks dark, but not like torpedo. Mine looks more almost. Well, I don't. Go I don't ahead. drink torpedo. I was just trying to be courteous. It <laughs> uh, looks like a legit like IPA. Like it looks like it'd be big and hoppy and bitter. Yeah, I'd give it maybe a little nod to some hues of like pink, uh, almost orange kind of sunset colors. That's the only thing that's keying me into the fact that it's maybe not a straightforward. Yeah, like you say, an IPA or a, even a, a dark lager maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make a quick correction too. I was looking at the general information on the internet when I said four and a half percent. I guess this batch is actually five point one percent ABV, so notably higher, I think, for for the style. Certainly, yeah, definitely. It's a nice. I mean, well, that's probably getting into more of like what an average to low end IPA would be. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like a session IPA at the very least. Mm-hmm. But I like it. It is really bright. It's very mouthwatery, lip smacky. It has a really nice, refreshing refreshing mouthfeel uh it the only critique i might have is it's a little tiny bit metallic but i like Mm. Mm -hmm. this beer pretty much front to back uh it has a nice level of tartness that's not overwhelming it's not you know gonna melt your teeth it's not a super sour beer but it's like sour enough to be refreshing like a key lime key key lime bar comes to mind yep what do you what do you think yeah we've, we've had yeah we've had a few weeks in a row now where we've had these really tart refreshing kind of summertime beers i think uh, I think the past four, definitely three weeks, maybe four where we've done a wild ale and there's always that weird balance of just the puckery factor to the sweetness. And I was trying to think just reading this label, if I've had a sour IPA before, and I don't think so. It's such a weird idea. Cause when you think about like sour, just bacteria, half the reason, if not more that IPAs were invented 
was because hops are preservatives and antimicrobial and they kill bacteria. So it's, it's a weird idea to try to put this together and looking back at that cl- uh, the clipping from the article saying it, it's been over 18 months developing this beer kind of makes sense. I'm, I'm equally as impressed by how this beer has come together as I enjoy it. The ratio mm-hmm. of enjoyment to impressedness is about the same. It's, I think it's really drinkable. It's certainly uh, puckery and kind of bitter, but very, very quenching as well. I think there's a great quality to having a beer like this. Yeah, quenching is a good word for it. Yeah. It's pretty chuggable too. Like I've already drank over half of it. Have you? Yeah. It's it's very quaffable. Yeah, I almost wish it was a little bit a little bit more bubbly. Mine's feeling okay. a little bit a little bit um a little bit not flat, I guess isn't quite right, but I just want there to be a little bit more pizzazz in the in the bubble department, you know? We'll sh- we'll shake it up. Sure. I was just in my little glass, just cover it with my hand and well, give it a nice swirl. Well, I got a pretty small glass today, man. I got the, like one of the little five ounce guys. Oh, um, so I'm trying, well, but I'm really it. worried I'm going to spill on our keyboard again. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to do that too much. Yeah, keyboard one. Do we still have that keyboard? Yeah, I kept it for sentimentality. Hell yeah, I'm glad you did. Like, that was... we should definitely put that up on the wall or something, dude. Yeah, part of my brain thought that if you haven't been a long time listener of the show, just a quick backstory: we were drinking a stout one time in our old studio. And I think one of us knocked over the can on the table and it poured immediately uh, right into the keys of the keyboard. And that stopped working pretty quick, but we kept mm-hmm. it all mostly most of it uh, on the actual episode. So if anybody knows what episode that is, please let me know, because I would love to hear that now. But yeah, I thought that maybe I'd keep the keyboard in one day. Like if a, I don't know if a key broke on this one, I could maybe take it apart and salvage the pieces. But I like your idea a lot more like just put it on the wall. And call it good. Yeah, dude. Just put it up. Stinky yeah. stout smell and all. Hey, where um, do you where's I'm, yeah, go ahead. Odd segue uh on that note. I just had a conversation with Shalina. Uh you can apparently put keyboards in the dishwasher. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that would include like the newer ones that are like powered, but like an old school desktop keyboard, like the clickety clack straight up you know keyboard you could you could unplug that put it in the dishwasher to clean it let it you know dry put it back plug it back in and it works i just saw a meme or at the time i thought it was an informative helpful picture that said you could you can wrap eggs in aluminum foil stick them in the microwave and they'll make hard-boiled eggs and for Uh, about uh, a half a second i was like wait oh no so i don't really trust anything that tells me to put things that i don't attribute to appliances into those appliances i'm just right maybe i'm paranoid but i i don't know at the very least i've gone through enough keyboards on the show that I'll, I'll meticulously go with a q-tip if i have to and i do believe your wife but i don't even think my dishwasher would treat this very well so no uh i just googled it and apparently it's a thing is it yeah, it voids a manufacturer's warranty. Sure. Uh, and it may even damage or destroy your keyboard, but <laughs> a keyboard can be cleaned in a dishwasher. Okay, they're just basically saying it'll get the dirt off. Like It'll break, but it'll be clean. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, don't use any dish soap, wash it with nothing else in there, and use warm water at most, and then air dry it, it says it could work. There's a lot of information online about... Uh, putting a keyboard through the dishwasher. So uh, there's like tens, of like at least one page so far on Google. So I think you just look into it, man. Just like Area 51, I think you should look into it. 
I think I'll leave I'll leave the keyboards with the uh, the conspiracy theorists as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, back to our beer. Are you enjoying it? Do you like drinking this beer or do you hate it? Yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I'm still not totally on board with the marriage of the the sour and the hop thing. It is kind of leaving me a little bit, a little too bitter for, for the flavor that I'm starting with. It, it's finishing in a way that maybe would is definitely interesting, but it's not something that I think I would really love to drink too much of. Yeah, I think I like it um, more than you. Mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. like the the drinkability. I think it's something I could drink probably three. I would say three would be my limit with this beer. Uh, it would have to be real cold and it'd be real hot outside, but I probably wouldn't go more than three before I'd want, you know, something lighter. Yeah. Would you, would you go lighter heavier. or have, which way would you go? You know, after this, I would either want something super light, like a lager, a Pilsner or a White Claw even, sure. or something like a single IPA without the sourness. I just... I can't drink multiple. I'll drink this whole can, no problem. And there's so many beers that fall into that sour. Yeah. Even this is just a kettle sour, but like claiming to be a sour beer, like a. Yeah. But I, for example, I just drank um, an Almanac sour last night. It was from the same series that of beers that we did the peach sour Nova. Yes. It was a lavender and honey sour. Oh, you told me about that. That's right. Dear God, it was good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. There's just like levels to the drinkability, and I think that's definitely a factor for sure. Yeah. Um, Six-pack I'd probably buy, and it would probably last me a, a whole weekend. This this would not be something I'd drink all in one night. But I do like it. It's got a bunch of redeeming qualities. I really love that the qualifier for not drinking the six-pack in one night is that you don't love the flavor. Like <laughs> It's like somebody like, I wouldn't drink a six-pack in one night ever. Well, I don't yeah, think those not, people listen. Yeah. <laughs> those people don't listen to this show. Yeah, maybe not, man. Um, you know, I was I was looking up because I had I was trying to think of what sour I just had the other day that I was comparing this to, and it was Wild Little Thing from Sierra Nevada, which we've we've done a bonus thing on on Patreon. So I already mm-hmm. know your thoughts, but just for people that haven't heard them, do you, are you a fan of Wild Little Thing? Not really. Is it the guava by chance or the passion uh, fruit kind of? I don't think it has passion fruit, but it has guava. Yeah, it, it's just guava. It's a, like a lot of guava, a lot of strawberry. Yeah. And uh, I remember wanting that beer to be a little bit tangier. Yeah, okay, me too. That's what I thought the other day, which I don't know yeah. if that's what I said on our Patreon stuff, but when I drank it yesterday I was or the day before, I was super underwhelmed. There's like, yeah. okay, like this is, I guess, a really nice gateway, maybe sour for people, but I was really hoping for some punch. Yeah, I wouldn't drink that beer if I was looking for a sour. It's yeah. more of just like something fruity and light. Yeah, I bought it in the in the Sierra Nevada summer variety pack from Costco. So it was, I think, six of those in Summerfest and Pale and Torpedo. That's a great, great package. Yeah, yeah, it's a good price. So, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's fine. That beer is a nice break. Uh, I don't trust your opinion from when we did our bonus, though, because that's when we were reviewing all the different kombuchas they just came out with. We only did one kombucha. Oh, that's right. I did all the kombuchas on my own, and I picked the best one for the show. I oh, forgot. yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, why would you not trust my opinion even if we did all of them? Well, the kombucha might have messed with your palate is what oh, I was sure. thinking. Like, you know, maybe you didn't get the truest flavor on that beer. So, yeah, like, okay. I, I would say the the opinion you had after, like, just drinking it is way more unmolested. Sure, definitely. That's how I like my opinions from you. So do you want to rate Tartan Juicy from Epic? I'm ready. Are you? Uh, I am. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so for me, this beer's fallen. It's good, but it's not great. It's falling right into like a like a six point eight for me, probably. Um, huh. It's above average as far as I I like it more than a lot of 
beers that say sour on them. Uh, it, it has an almost a nice kombucha-like quality in its tartness. It falls into that somewhat apple cider vinegary almost vibe, and I really like those qualities in kombucha, and I think if you're a fan of that style of tartness, you'll like this beer quite a bit, possibly even more than me, but uh, it doesn't get into the sevens for me. I think it's a solid drinker, but it's it's not going to knock anyone's socks off. So a couple things. I don't get that sort of acidic vinegary type of tartness here, and I think that would actually be a turnoff for me. But also, somehow I've ended up with a lower rating than you. Um, or does that check out? Yeah. Yeah, of course that checks out. I don't know. What was I thinking? Yeah. So it's a six for me. I'm uh, not going to be below that. I enjoy it. And I will drink mine. And if I had a second one, I'd probably drink it too. But if I had a nice array of beers on the top of my fridge, I'd maybe maybe this would be towards the, the end. It wouldn't make the final couple drafts, you know, or the first couple drafts. Totally. Draft picks. Yeah. Sports mm-hmm. stuff. Sports. Draft picks. Yeah, I couldn't even get the sentence out without messing it up, but I tried. <laughs> no, this would so. be a good beer, like, at a barbecue if it's between this or Bud Light. Yeah. Oh, by the way, no. I had my first Bud Light of my life the other day. Of your life? Yeah, of my life. They're I should write in my journal. I should get a journal to write this down. That's a big moment. I'd never had put that. You should put that on here untapped or whatever you're on for <laughs> beer. Yeah, I don't even have it. I, you, we just have our untapped that you run. I don't even have my own. Yeah, run is a, a very generous sure. way of putting that. I'm a generous guy. So what do you think of Bud Light? I don't know. It, you know, I wasn't like I blew my mind or anything. It was like, yeah, that makes sense for what I expected. Like, sure. Exactly right. Yeah. I, you could put it probably next to a, I think I, I think I know the taste of Coors Light, but you could put it next to like a, maybe a Michelob Ultra or something. And I don't mm-hmm. think I'd, I could pick it out for sure. Yeah, those are so close to the same beer. I or mean, what's, they're owned by the yeah, same company. What's another one like that? Oh shoot! Which one's the uh, champagne? Like, uh, that's High Life Miller. Yeah, Miller High Life. Like, I couldn't pick out uh, between those three. I'd be guessing. Yeah, or Miller Light. Miller Light's another one that mm-hmm. falls right in there. Mm-hmm. But it's all just garbage can beer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's better than water sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah, I'd I'd probably just go water, you know, and then <laughs> hydrate for a good beer. Is I don't that's mean cool. I don't want to come off as snoo- like drink what you like, I guess. But for me. You know, whatever. Your your Bud Light's cool, but what flavors of LaCroix do you have? Yeah, that's let me get some of that bubbly, non-alcoholic hydration. Mm, San Pellegrino, sign me up. <laughs> okay, so that's Tart and Juicy from Epic Brewing. If you want to get it in town, I got it in single cans at SNS Produce for a buck ninety nine a piece, which I think is a really good price if you're into what this beer is selling. Yeah, talk about a low low risk investment. Yep, I, I saw it. And I was like, that's, and then I saw how fresh it was, and I was like, that's a great. That's a, a yeah. What you're saying, like low risk, and we'll try it out. Why not? Because I didn't know you'd had it, but I hadn't had it, and I was like, sour IPA could be disgusting, but what's four bucks? You know, right? Definitely good pick. Good pick. Thanks, man. Speaking of picks, why don't we move into the flickety picks, shall we? The the flick of the pick. So That's I right. do not have one this week. I which I'll talk about. Not bothered. I've been busy doing other stuff, but I understand Johnny Summers that you have a flick pick from 2014. I do. I was looking around because this last weekend was Father's Day. Shout out to all the dads. Yep. Um, and I was looking around uh, uh, lists actually online of, you know, things to watch with your dad on Netflix or whatever. You know, things that are very, let's say, middle of the road, non-offensive. Sure. Nobody's going to get their sure. feathers ruffled. And <laughs> yeah. the, fir- the dad first movies. category. Like dad movies. I love exactly. It. And the first category was uh, things to watch with your dad on Netflix if you both miss sports. Mm-hmm. I said, well, sign us up. And uh, me and my dad have always bonded over baseball. My dad was a pitcher in high school. My grandpa 
was a, a pitcher in the Cubs minor league organization. So we've oh, always, wow. we, we're a baseball family. Um, so this documentary came up in that list. It was on the top and it sounded fascinating and we dug into it. It's called the battered bastards of baseball. Love the name. It's a, it, yep. It's a Netflix original documentary and the brief synopsis from IMDb is thus. Uh, in 1973, Hollywood actor Bing Russell starts an independent minor league baseball team in Portland consisting of outcasts and misfits and turns them into unlikely overnight success. Uh, and if you're thinking, Bing Russell, that name sounds familiar. Well, it's because he's Kurt Russell's dad. Oh. Uh, so he's got deep Hollywood ties. He was on Bonanza as the the sheriff for 13 years. He was in movies with John Wayne. Uh, he's he was a very successful kind of every everyday working actor. He was never really the star, but very successful career by yeah. a lot of standards. Um, uh, little known fact though, he had this giant baseball mind and this wealth of knowledge, and he was just so deep in baseball his whole life. Uh, really fun story at the beginning of that documentary about how he got into baseball. So it goes through all that, and uh, it basically is him breaking the norms and the conventions of minor league baseball teams because every minor league baseball team at the time was a subsidiary of a major league team, uh-huh. and they would all just use them to groom players and bring them up to the major leagues. Well, he basically bought a license to a team and just paid players out of his pocket and signed all these guys that none of the other major league teams or farm clubs wanted yeah. and they were basically just there for the love of the game and the purity of baseball and the fun of getting paid to do something you love sure and it's a super inspirational story and the dude actually broke a lot of molds he hired the first female general manager of a baseball team in any professional capacity and he also hired the first asian american uh i think coach or manager of a baseball team at the time so he was like way ahead of the game and his whole theory was just surround yourself with people that are passionate and can do the job and you'll learn from them, which is awesome. That's great. Yeah. Breaking down um, barriers left and right. Yeah. And Kurt Russell actually played on the team. Kurt Russell was a, f- a very successful minor league baseball player before was he, he got really? into acting. Yeah. He oh. played college ball and actually played semi-professional baseball up in the Pacific Northwest before he began acting. That's why... His dad wanted to move to the Pacific Northwest and kind of led him into that. And hmm. it's pretty pretty awesome watching some old footage of Kurt Russell playing baseball in the in the seventies. Yeah, well, I'm sure. So, yeah, overall, it's like a super fascinating documentary. Something I really enjoyed watching with my dad. And uh, I think if you're into baseball or good documentaries or just like fun stories, uh, and if anything I said sounds interesting, absolutely watch it. It's two clicks away on Netflix, and there's no reason not to watch it. Yeah, I was going to point out that I did you, had you said that this was directed by McLean Way? No. And uh so McLean Way has a pretty good track record started. He did he and I at least he was one of the directors on what you're talking about, but he also did uh Wild Wild Country that you have seen in the past that came out in 2018. It was a multi-segment documentary that I think was on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix original. That was a crazy documentary. Yeah. And in between so that was 2018, then The Battered Bastards of Baseball was 2014, and in between those two in 2016 he directed something called The New Yorker Presents. It looks like a 30-minute or, or 11-episode, 30-minute episodes documentary series. I believe it looks like it's available on Amazon Prime. So I think, Johnny, you're a prime candidate to check out some of this guy's other work because it sounds like it's all really thoughtful and well-made stuff. Definitely. And there's nothing better than a well-made documentary. You, got that. I tr- you know, I tried to get some people to watch a documentary the other night, a really good one called Vernon, Florida. 
And okay. just, it's an Errol Morris documentary. He's a great documentary filmmaker. They were just like, doesn't look interesting. And I died a little bit inside. At least my heart did. Because it's like, yeah, it's not, you know, fast 15, but it's a slow burn. Great look at a little part of the world, part of America that you never see. It's wonderful. So all that to say, yeah, a great documentary. Sign me up always. Exactly. Stories that have never been told that are fascinating, yeah. that are part of our history. What's yeah. not to love? Absolutely. So that's the battered bastards of baseball. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, talk about a brand new movie on Netflix called The Five Bloods. We're not going to spoil it till the very end of the show. So if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. Have nothing to fret. And we are going to get into our thoughts and our feelings. And we'll talk about that right when we come back. If you're in the mood for some summertime refreshment on a nice patio or maybe some ice-cold air conditioning along with your ice-cold beer, wine, or cocktail, go down and check out Handlebar Chico right here in town. You can't beat it. It's a great local watering hole. They've got amazing food, good craft beer, like I said, full liquor, wine, all that fun stuff. Also, amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get money off of cocktails. You're going to get some money off of beer. You're going to get half-off bottles of wine. It's a great time. Take the whole family down. Check it out. Handlebar Chico. 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. Better man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. You broken man. So what, you blaming yourself? You don't even know. No! We've been dying for this country from the very get. Now the time is There are things to realize. We give this call to our people. Hold up! In my line of work, I have to be very careful. And that means knowing exactly who I am in business with. That was a trailer for Defive Bloods, Spike Lee's newest film. 
Johnny, would you please be so kind as to read me the IMDb summary of this movie? Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Yeah, again, so it's Spike Lee. We haven't done any of his work since episode 87 to stick in the vein of being helpful in guiding people towards our previous episodes where we covered Black Klansmen. uh, The script for this movie was originally written in 2013 by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. It was going to be called The Last Tour with Oliver Stone directing, but... That fell through, and it was picked up by Spike Lee and Kevin Wilmot. It's their second time working together. They wrote Black Klansman, uh, and they found a formula that works, so they stuck with it. Uh, Johnny Summers, who is in this movie, you will notice on your notes, actors are in not italics, and character names are italicized, just since I don't know if you if that was clear. Yes, yeah, so we have <laughs> Delroy Lindo playing Paul, Clark Peters playing Otis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. playing Melvin, Norm Lewis played Eddie, Jonathan Majors played David, Johnny Tree Wynn plays Vin. That's uh, probably Melanie. Oh yeah, if you want to go through all of them yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, did you just leave out Chadwick Boseman on purpose? No. I, so then there's also uh, some other characters who are play less of central roles, like Melanie Thierry, Paul Walter Hauser. Help me out here. Actually, just bear with me. Jasper Pakonen. He's uh yeah. He's uh, he is. What is that area of the world, dude? That is. Uh, was he supposed to be Finnish or Icelandic? Yeah, I, th- I think Norway, I think Norwegian. He's, I think he's a Finnish actor. I could be wrong. Uh, but okay. he's in it. Chadwick Boseman, Jean Reno, and Leigh Ilan. They all have, I'd say, secondary parts, at least as far as the story is concerned, to the six people that you mentioned. Okay. Of those six people, four of them are Vietnam War vets. And that was Delroy Lindo, who plays Paul. And he's sort of a PTSD traumatized, very much a MAGA Trump enthusiast. And we can talk about how that plays out in this movie. Clark Peters was a medic in the military plays Otis. And then their friend Melvin is played by Isaiah with jr. Norm Lewis plays Eddie. And then Jonathan majors who did you recognize him by the way? Oh, he looks so familiar. (laughs) Gianna said the same thing. So Jonathan majors plays David, who is Paul's Delray Lindo's son. We've seen him in the last black man in San Francisco. Oh, that's what it was. Fantastic. Uh, He played. Yeah. And then we had, yeah, again, Johnny Trinugan here plays Vin, who is kind of their tour guide or not tour guide, I guess, but, What's a better word for that? It doesn't sound so touristy. Got just guide, I guess. Guide. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, there's a score and a soundtrack by a guy named Terrence Blanchard. He's also worked with Spike Lee before for a while. There's a bunch of songs in this movie. If they're not original scores by Terrence Blanchard, a lot of them are from Marvin Gaye's 1971 album. What's going on? Uh, this movie was released to Netflix on June 12th, 2020 runs two and a half hours long, which I did not see coming when I started it very late last night. And it was made with a budget of thirty-five to forty-five million. Nobody really seems to know the exact number, but it's it's in that neighborhood, and it's that makes it one of Spike Lee's most expensive movies to date. Okay, thoughts on it? You this was your pick last week, I think. Did we did we preview this at the end of the episode, or did we change our mind uh, after we'd finished? Uh, we spoke about it at the very end, uh, and we kind of put the King of Staten Island on the back burner for yep. this movie. Yep. Which is actually, so as long as we did that on air, we have two out of, or one out of three, I suppose. We also previewed two other beers that we were going to do this week, but since we're still not together, we did not do those beers. So I'll take one out of three, I guess. <laughs> Keep hey, it one out of three ain't bad. Yeah. So thoughts, thoughts, thoughts on this movie. You'd mentioned like, this seems more important to you. It seems more topical. It seems like it might just be a better movie in general. Um, how, yeah. did, how did it stack up for you? Um, well, it was massively entertaining. Uh, there was some amazing performances I was not ready for the performances that 
came out of like Delroy Lindo. Mm-hmm. That uh, the depth of his performance and the layers of that character were surprising yeah. to me. Uh, I really loved the aesthetics of this movie. It was a lot of the scenes were absolutely gorgeous to look at. the The filmmaking quality was just super, super high. Um, the story was interesting. It was formulaic at times, but it had a very interesting point of view. I think Spike Lee is known for his very interesting points of view in his movies. Sure. Um, to me, that there, I, I want. I'm really looking forward to digging into this movie with you, just because you know more about movies in general than i do a lot of the time um and (laughs) i'm curious to see your opinion but um i felt like there was an overarching theme to the whole thing somewhat and then there were all these other themes there were these little i I probably four or five different themes and points made in the movie um and to me it was it was a bit muddled at times but then you kind of think back to the overall theme and kind of the point of the whole thing. Um, I thought it was an interestingly made film. Some of the editing kind of caught me off guard. They did mm-hmm. double takes on hugs. Yeah. And I was like, first, yeah. am, am I drunk? What is yeah. happening? Were, were you by chance? No, okay. I was not. I wasn't either. Cause they, the first one you're like, was that like a weird, that seems like a weird editing mistake for him to make. And then I think it probably happened six times. Yeah. Throughout the movie. And you're like, Oh, that's on purpose. Like, huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice. So I think there was a lot of interesting choices made. Um, I'm going to say that this movie I thought was good, not great. Okay. Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting into it more. Um, but yeah, it was a very uniquely made movie. I really liked certain parts of it. Uh, overall, I did like it. I, I had a good time watching it. Ah, that's a stretch. I wouldn't say I had a good yeah. time. It's not yeah. exactly a good time movie, but it was an engaging watch. Uh, definitely. Yeah, the way, think? the way that it sort of unfolds is since these these four or ends up being five guys going back or going to Vietnam, most of them going back, not not David, their son, obviously, but it plays out where instead of having these flashbacks of their time there, it's more like you see these and Chad McBo- Chadwick Boseman played there. We should probably say this too: their their troop leader who who died when they were there and they're going back to get his remains, like you said, and when we get flashbacks, what we think are flashbacks of their time in Vietnam, it's not like they're being played by younger actors. It's, it's the actors that we're used to seeing in the modern day, just the way they are with Chadwick Boseman at the age that he was when he died. And it really gives the impression of not a flashback, but more like an actual um, real time trauma, maybe. So you're, you're like going, they're going through it again, which was kind of my impression of that. But yeah, the trauma is still present. Yeah. Which I think is a great point. But again, like when I watch a Spike Lee movie, I've only seen, Definitely two now, but I think possibly three. I think I've seen Malcolm X at some point, but like you expect some attitude at this point. He's, he's a very edgy, um, poignant, has a position on almost everything kind of movie maker. So you're expecting, or I was at least some pizzazz and some style. And my, one of my problems with this movie is that sometimes I feel like that style and spectacle kind of overshadows and maybe even distracts from whatever else is trying to be conveyed. So like when we have these flashbacks, scenes the he takes the the widescreen and kind of shoves it down to like a four three i think it's a little bit more squarish than that and it really kind of puts you in the vibe of like an old like an apocalypse now or something um an older movie and it draws you in with a very i I don't know if i would say with anything particular in mind aside from evoking that kind of time period but there's little stuff like that like the hugging thing you mentioned and there's a couple of editing choices in, and I'll start talking in a second about like the tonal stuff that happens in this movie that really kind of threw me for a loop. 
Yes, and, big time. And also, like, I mean, the movie starts out with actual footage from tragedies all over the world, including but not limited to the war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And it sets – Gianna asked me, my wife, when we were watching it together, is this a documentary? And I was, like, looking at it. I was like, no, but is it? Um, and it toes the line between – actual footage and what really happened with what probably did happen all the time and what could have happened. And it, it kind of, I guess I don't want to talk about the ending, but it does, it does toe that line in a way that I feel is a little bit not dicey in any ethical way, but did kind of leave me confused as maybe, and this is what you're saying, like the kind of path that it's trying to walk down. It also kind of mm-hmm. at times feels like an Indiana Jones movie. Right. And also like a black exploitation films at times, there's like, there's all sorts of just different influences here. And I, I just had a hard time latching onto anyone. And I think since there wasn't that the stylistic choices and the tonal differences throughout it really uh, made it tough for me to, to love. I really wanted to love this movie and, me too. and, and by the end, I just, I think I had a hard time with it. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I'm, gonna go ahead and agree with pretty much everything you just said oh but also del Rey Lindo, great jonathan majors great i think everybody in this was really good norm lewis who played eddie didn't do much for me they didn't it's always hard getting an ensemble crew like this and giving everybody decent backstories i don't mm-hmm. i don't think we really explored much about anybody except like paul and otis del Rey Lindo and clark peters characters yeah and that's it's fine i guess but I don't know. I, I wanted more or less. I would have taken less, but we'd gotten so deep that I wanted more. You know, it's a two and a half hour yeah. movie. I think they did an okay job, but I needed. A, I think I needed more. I wanted it to be more concise, uh, timeline wise, uh, and just story wise. Like, like it took so many branches. Like, yeah, kind of like you said. I wanted either less or more. Like, I want to know all of like more of the backstory of the other guys, or else why are they there? Yeah, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's some stuff for sure to talk about in the danger zone, especially especially off that point, like why people were there and, and sort of because everybody goes. I've never been, but everybody goes back to wherever they fought in a war and survived. If if they do go back, they have their own reasons. You can't kind of blanket statement that sort of thing. And you do kind of get a little bit of stuff from everybody else, but yeah, it's it's mostly Paul dealing with his PTSD and sort of his own identity. And I the, 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 like I'm not one to be like. You shouldn't bring politics in, especially a movie like this. Like, of course it's going to have politics, but the, the MAGA hat Trump thing really didn't work for me, especially towards the end of the movie. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just seemed so weird. And in black Klansman, that sort of very piercing magnifying glass look at the Trump administration fit in kind of, at least he made it fit in with the rest of the movie. And, and it just felt really out of place here. Like they didn't really dive into it. And it was just more like Spike Lee being like, Fuck Trump. So yeah, was, and it's like, I, yeah. I, maybe I agree. Maybe I don't, who knows, but make it, make it, make the movie about that, you know, or at least yeah. a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Some of that felt forced. Like, yeah, you know, some of the, the stances felt forced and like, it's obviously okay to have a stance, but to put it into a movie when it's not cohesive to the movie, I think, you know, you get your point of that this is your stance as a filmmaker across, but then does the product of the actual movie and the substance of the film you're trying to create, does that suffer? Yeah, totally. And also, by the way, I think Chadwick Boseman sucks. I don't think Chadwick Boseman's a good actor. I don't like him in almost anything. Wow. Just want to say that. He was in that, uh, what was it called? A certain amount of bridges. 
20, like 23 okay. bridges or something, which yeah. was not good. Um, but Black Panther. He's good at Black Panther. Sure. He's good at being Black Panther. But like. Isn't he in Tenet? Uh, that, isn't he like the main character in that movie coming no, out? No, you are mistaken. Oh, I thought he was. No, he is not. I'll tell you who's in that because I'm looking it up now. Uh, it's John David Washington, which is a funny okay. tie-in because that's who was in Black Klansman. So, oh, okay. So, oh, and is Robert Pattinson in this movie too? Wow. Uh, yes. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, my gosh. I haven't even seen it. I haven't watched the trailer for this. I'm already, oh, it I'm looks learning, good. I'm already learning more than I want to look. Okay. Uh, yep. Ooh, when's that even coming out now? Uh, it depends. Okay. Like, it's it's changed a couple times. Yeah. Can I do want to say, I mean, I feel like I just kind of tore apart this movie in in some justifiable ways, but some stuff I did enjoy was like, I don't think I've seen a Vietnam movie, certainly a Vietnam war movie in this, or at least through this lens or in this light or anything like that. Like you're used to seeing things like apocalypse now, like you said, or um, full metal jacket platoon is kind of, those are like the pinnacles of Vietnam movies. And like, it's a freaking helicopter comes in over a rising sun and CCR is blasting on the radio. And like, there's certain imagery you associate with Vietnam war movies and, and Spike Lee manages to subvert a lot of those expectations in mm-hmm. a way that keeps you or kept me interested. Yeah. I was like, okay, well let's see where this is going. And I think mm-hmm. that stuff was really, that was really interesting and fulfilling in a way that I didn't necessarily expect once I realized I was going into a Vietnam war movie. So Definitely. that's something. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of all that I want to say initially about this. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's fair. I think, I think we've said about as much as we need to before we get into the danger zone and really start spoiling stuff. Okay, so Johnny Summers to Five Bloods out of ten. What do you give it? Ooh, for me it's it's a five five. Five point five. For me, it's a six. If you want to check it out, it is on Netflix. It's been on there for a couple days. We'd love to hear what you think about it. You can all the stuff Johnny said in the beginning. If you have more than like two hundred and forty characters, shoot us a little email or or make a voice recording on your phone and we can listen to it. And it makes us very happy to get that kind of stuff. So please don't be shy. But I think we've both done a fair amount of talking, and if that noise that I just heard is any indicator, it's time for beer number two. It's time for a drinky poo. <laughs> All right, man, what do we got? So we are doing a beer. Uh, if you listened to last week's bonus episode, if you're on Patreon, I think we talked about it a little bit uh, during the regular episode about how I pick beers. I am often influenced by just things that look cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have a lot, a decent background. I almost said I have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> so, so <laughs> most pretentious way um, of saying it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh No, I have a decent background in beer, and sometimes I like to pick out things that are rare and crazy styles and things we've never seen. And sometimes a beer just has a really cool name and a really cool label, and I'm like, I want to do that, and I just pick it up. Yeah, and this beer is called Assaulted by Feather Pillows, <laughs> and it's got an amazing can art. Uh, it's uh, like two feet. It looks like you're looking at someone's from the bottom or like the foot of a bed. Yeah, yeah. And they're dreaming. And in the little cloud bubble or thought bubble, it's two hops having a pillow fight. And it's just the cutest can maybe I've ever seen. So, so I had to buy it. You described it very well. Thank you. It's brewed by Mike Hess yep. out of San Diego. It's uh, an, what do I want to say? It's a double hazy IPA. And this was canned really recently. It was canned on 518. Hashtag COVID nineteen shutdown. <laughs> oh, that's nice love on that. the can. I love it. But yeah, yeah you, and I don't. We don't really get into like the double, like hazy double IPAs terribly often on no. the show. So uh, also, we haven't done anything from Mike Hess since way back in episode thirty. 
Yeah. When we did their cream ale, Grazias. And remember that had a cool top? I was like just going to say that. I, I remember that so distinctly. We talked about it because they had those. Yeah, it was like a, um, a just a normal can opener with the, the tab, but it opened up basically the entire top of the can, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. I remember it. So I guess well done for that reason. I think we liked that beer, too. But yes. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. So uh, I think we did. Uh, we should put the rating of what the beer was. We gotta go find it. Well, or maybe just go listen to episode thirty, and there you, then you let us. That's know. the right move. Yep, go listen to episode thirty. There you go. That's the move. That's, we're All trying right. to figure it out ourselves. Hell yeah! So this is an eight percent hazy double IPA. Uh, what we found online: uh, the grain bill is stacked with oats and wheat to keep it light, fluffy, and hazy. It's hopped with loads of Amarillo, Sabro, and Strata, a magical combo <laughs> that is tropical fruit forward. Flavors like apricot and mango will jump out. Possibly. I am not familiar with Sabro hops at all, but it makes saber. me think this this beer... What? <laughs> it's pronounced Sabre. It's not. It makes me think of Sabra hummus. That makes me think of Sabre from The Office. Yes, and I hope to God this beer doesn't taste like either of those things. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, have you poured it? Have you tried it? I just poured it. I was looking up a Sabro hop. Um, there's an article here on WashingtonBeerBlog.com, and forgive me, I haven't skimmed this in advance, but this came out April of 2018, and the headline of the article is Introducing Sabro, a new, highly anticipated hop variety. They say, as IPA continues to grow in popularity, so does the public's interest in hops, perhaps the most important ingredient in an IPA, obviously. Today, for the first time in nearly 10-year history of the blog, I'm sharing news about the new hop variety Sabro. Um, I'm just skimming, skimming, skimming. Hop has a pretty cool backstory. Stop teasing me here. Uh, one that is rooted in the mountains of New Mexico. This is a longer article than I expected. It's easily My 15 God. paragraphs. So we're going to come back to it at another time. But uh, hopefully I've killed enough time here that maybe you've poured yours and possibly even tasted it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Play it on me. All right. So this beer pours, uh, I wouldn't say super hazy. It's very dark and hazy. Um, yeah, was it light to you? Am I just in a dark room? What's happening? This is, you know, weirdly enough, this is a similar color to to the sour IPA that we did from Epic, but definitely hazier. And I'd say maybe it's just because of the haze, but it's it's a bit darker for sure. It's not. I mean, it's it's not dark dark beer or anything, but yeah, it's like a it's like a very confidently brownish orange IPA. Okay, leaning towards orange. Yeah. So. You get a whole lot of hops on this beer, which I really am a fan of. I love the level of bitterness and hop flavor in this as opposed to a ton of sweetness. I think it has a really nice presence. It finishes a little dry. Uh, there is a bunch of, of fruitiness right on the front. Uh, Sabro is actually a, an aroma hop, so you're going to get more of that on the smell. Uh, it's definitely got a lot of complex fruit and citrus. I found a little bit online. It's going to impart distinct tangerine, coconut, tropical fruit, and stone fruit aromas with hints of cedar, mint, and cream. Uh, Sabro's pedigree is the result of a unique cross-pollination of a female Neo-Mexicanus hop, which I think Sierra Nevada did a beer called Neo-Mexicanus, if I'm not mistaken. There's been a beer that's used that almost exclusively. Okay. Um, So I have had that hop before, and it does introduce like a ton of, of floral, but also gives you some of that like cedary, piney, you know, tree smells. Yeah, sure. Okay. I found it weird that they, they classified coconut in there with, yeah. with the citrus and the stone fruit. That seems like a weird I, – I don't get any of that, but it also just seems like a weird thing to to go for, you know, in that in the rest mm-hmm. of those flavors. It seems definitely out of place to me. 
Yeah, I and I don't know. I mean, if you read that and then you are looking for yeah coconut, you might be able to find a little bit of it, but it's not something I would have picked I, out. I couldn't even. I I tried that and I couldn't find any. Yeah, but I mean, it's one possible characteristic. Yeah, of a yeah, hop it's true. In a beer with three, so yeah. it's it's gonna get buried. Fair. Um, but yeah, what do you think so far? Yeah, man, it's good. I think it's. I'm not underwhelmed. Isn't exactly right. I am perfectly. Whelmed, but there are some things that I'm not digging about it, including kind of the aftertaste. I was I was actually trying to pull up a, a beer tasting wheel right now to see if I could be a little bit more descriptive about exactly what's bothering me, but um, I'm not going to do that. I just think that there's something about the high ABV, 8%, that's, that's finishing weird. I can't use weird. It's finishing in a way that leaves a mouth feeling heavy, uh, a little bit dry, and... and um, uh, dank in a, in a kind of a musty way. Okay. And I, I, it's just a very stark contrast to how the beer starts. Okay. If that makes sense. What do you, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's good, but it's not, it's not really great. It's not giving me a lot that I'm falling in love with by any means. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little heavy and mm-hmm. it comes mm-hmm. off a little thick and mm-hmm. just a little bit too much of everything kind of. Yeah, I um, agree. I'm not having a great time with it, honestly. Yeah, but it's I for me it's not even it's not close to dislike or anything like that, but it is it's certainly not in the upper echelon of definitely hazy IPAs, but IPAs I think at all, maybe for me. It's it's a totally satisfactory middle of the road beer and you know how much I despise mediocrity. <laughs> if it was terrible, at least it would be interesting. <laughs> In case any huge fans of my cast are listening, that's a quote from a movie from last week. I just really, I think I'm going to say it now. Anytime something's middle of the road, how I loathe me. It's like the perfectly it, most biting, just condescending insult ever. Yeah, I no, it. it's true. It's true though. This is very for me. This I would say this might even be a little bit below middle of the road. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like down in the down in the shoulder or just right into the divot? Oh, it's tough, man. It's it's drinkable, but it's not desirable. I, I don't find myself wanting to keep consuming this, and that's not a good sign. Yeah. Um it's all it's got almost a bit too much of that fruit smoothie. Like if you put like mangoes and pineapples in a blender mm-hmm. and didn't put other stuff enough in there, like just, the ratio seems off to me. Yeah. Um it's just real heavy on those fruit flavors. Uh, and I don't think that necessarily translates into a good experience with this beer. Yeah, can I just jump back for a second? I really like this idea of a rating system based on the metaphor of a road. And if I may, yeah. if if middle of the road is literally what that sounds like, then like if that's your five. You got like threes and fours, kind of like you're veering off the road into the bumpity bump strips, and like ones and twos, you're off the road in a ditch, and then. Climbing up, you've crashed. Yeah, you're dead. And then you're you're like sixes and sevens, or you're starting up an incline, which I guess is counterintuitive because that's harder on the car. But you're not actually running, so you're just going higher and higher. And then nines, eights, nines, and tens, you're like approaching the top of this mountain or a hill that this road's going up. And I think this is a really good rating system. And I may stick with this metaphor for at least until I forget about it, which will be by the next time we rate a beer. I just wanted to say it. Oh, I'll remind you. Where does this land on your road? Yeah. So for me, like I'm, I'm like, I'm very obviously still on the flat part of the road, but maybe the nose of my car is kind of starting to point up and we're approaching a, we're approaching a climb potential. This has potential, I guess is what I'm saying. It's like a six for me. I don't know if we're rating it, but it feels like a six to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, we can talk more about it too. I think it's yeah. Again, like I don't, I can't praise it so so much. I'm, I can't rip it apart either. It's just you know, it's right there. It's it's above slightly above average. It tastes like bitter musty old fruit, and I hate it. Okay, great. That's you're in a ditch. Is where you are. It's a. It's it's not a ditch. It's not. I str- okay, I strongly dislike it. I've okay. had worse beers for sure. So um, you're like falling asleep with the wheel, and you get jostled awake by the rumble strips. It's like a zzz, zzz, yeah, zzz, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this is like a like a four two for me. All right. Yeah. That's that checks out. I feel like yeah. I, I always I always justify whatever you're saying. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's consistent with the argument you've given. Well played, sir. Case closed. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, okay. My thoughts match up with yeah, themselves. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm worried about that because apparently I get confused. Like I was like, why is mine lower than yours? Even though we've just been talking about how mine should be lower than yours. Mm-hmm. So I just like to keep us honest slash yep. sane. Okay. Well, <laughs> do you have anything else in this beer? Um, I, I don't think I'd ever buy it again. It's yeah. really just not, it's, it's underwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's, basic but not basic in a way that is like uh like obscure nevada pale ales basic like it's basic but awesome uh this is like basic but trying to be too much and uh, the mouthfeel is just a little too thick it leaves me a little too bitter a little too like yeah yeah uh, however that translates into flavor. oh it made, it made total so. sense to me that should be a flavor i don't know how you'd spell Blech. it but that makes total sense Blech. yeah Blech. yeah so not not the biggest fan at all. I mean, it's you know, objectionably speaking, it's not you know made bad. It's just made bad. If that makes sense. Yeah, man. Like I, I just think I think this beer would be really nice with if if it were simplified. I guess I like the Amarillo hop is the one that jumps out to me as kind of the the black sheep of these three. I okay. feel like isn't Amarillo another aroma hop? But it's it's more like I think it's more like floral. Um, and maybe citrusy also, but I feel like there's some another quality. Like I feel like it's a spicy hop or something, and it's just such a weird move to add. If if that is what I'm tasting slash remembering correctly, like it's such a weird thing to pair if you're going for tropical kind of citrus. Uh, yeah, just straight up juicy IPA. Yeah, yeah. This beer's kind of a bummer, but I would if there was another iteration of this beer that maybe left out the amarillo and substitute it for like a citra hop or something i would for sure try it like yeah it's not, and i'm again gonna finish this one i think it's good and that's it good it's good it's fine yeah it's yeah. too thick it's too thick for its own good do you mean just do like you, me. do you mean viscous thick or like heavy uh both really uh, see i don't think it's too viscous but i think it's too heavy okay well mm. now i'm grossed out by it okay well we're moving right along uh i think if you get a chance to, oh wait where'd you get it man and how much was it uh, I got this, uh, spikes and it was like 12 bucks. For six six pack. Pack. Yeah. I, I think it's worth trying. Grab it. It might be, it might be your vibe. Johnny would probably say, do not try it, but to each their own. Again, it's a 4.2 for Johnny. It's a six for me. It's assaulted by feather pillows from my cast out of San Diego. Try it. If you like, we're moving on Johnny. What is hot and bothered? Um, well, hot and bothered is a part of the show where we talk about things that have got us either really excited or maybe frustrated, maybe sad. Maybe crying alone in the shower. Who knows? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, you never know. It goes, there's just a broad spectrum. There's now I'm whole... looking at your list and I'm wondering what, and I know there's nothing on it. You're just using that as an example, but I'm trying to pick of the things, what would put you crying in the shower? And I think, it, I hope it's my show. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, man, I was, I was looking back making our, our, our beer encyclopedia and 
I, I stumbled across while looking for it. Cause back in the early days, the notes were anybody's guess what the notes were going to look like. Sometimes it's yeah. like, here's the episode. Enjoy. And other times it'd be very meticulous. And on this particular episode, it was just like, here's the movie we covered. Here's the breweries we covered. And I'm like to myself, I'm like, come on, like, what are you doing, man? Like, how am I supposed to do this in my compendium of beers? So I had to skim through the episode is the point. And I found where we first uh, started hot and bothered. Nice. And it was called, do you remember by chance what we called it for the first like month? No. (laughs) And then we changed it. And once you hear the name, you'll be like, yeah, we said, what's got you up? <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yep. It's like what because it started like what's got you down this week? Like, like are you happy or something got you down? It's like oh, well, we got to include the opposite. So what's got you up? And then we were mm-hmm. both like, well, that's we can't call it that forever. <laughs> right. And then it turned into like hot and bothered over time. Oh, that's funny. I don't remember what episode it was, but it was like in the it was between twenty and forty. So was, was it thirty when you were looking up cream ale? No, I just googled that one. Because oh. I don't have the friggin' thing done yet. But once I have it done, Fair. no more Googling for our own content. Won't be necessary. Nice. Yeah. That's good. All that to say, what's got you hot or bothered this week, man? Uh, well, I will piggyback on, because I know you want to talk about the commons. Um, so I'll just add on when you speak. But sure. uh, I will say one thing before you get into it, that uh, I watched Max play at the commons this last Saturday, and it was an amazing time. And I have not seen you that unhappy and that happy uh, in a long time. It was really, um, you know, ail- ailment. Uh, I forgot, ailments about, I forgot aside, about that. Ailments aside, there was yeah. some hot water there at the beginning. Oh, but boy, uh, was there. Honestly, dude, it was just so good to see you back in your element. You look like you're having a blast. I saw your eyes light up like you were just fucking loving every moment of it. And uh haven't seen that look for a while. So Thanks, it, was, it was really great to see you back in your element doing your thing. And I was happy I made it out. Much appreciated. Uh, I have a couple other things. Uh, one, I'm stoked that the movies are opening back up. Our I don't think everybody knows that. You gotta, yeah, you gotta um, tell people. So, yeah, our movie theater here in town, Tinseltown, is going to be opening back up the weekend of the 10th of July. Awesome. So that is super exciting. There's going to be like a bunch of changes, not as many seats, uh, more staggered showtimes to help with crowds at the movie theaters. So all things that actually make your movie going experience better. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, there's going to be less people. There's going to yeah. be less lines, less people in theaters or in the theater at the same time coming and going. So, I mean, it's going to be one safer, healthier and all that lower risk and two, just more conducive to an enjoyable experience, which would be dope. Uh, so I'm super stoked on that. We're hopefully going to be getting back in the theater to review movies before too long. Hopefully, uh, Yeah, we'll see sure. as soon as soon as uh, major uh, companies start releasing uh, there's if there's enough theaters, I know so many releases have just keep getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Um, Yo, I had so a great, I got Patreon movie day. I just oh, that'd be of, fun. That's and we buy it. That's that's the idea. That'd be fun. I'm so freaking down to do that. You know how we have movie nights on Patreon, but we haven't been able to have one because we can't have people. We should yep. just move our movie night to the theater. Because be they're fun. they're showing all sorts of like old movies. For example, I sent you a screenshot where I I actually bought tickets for a screening of The Matrix down in Sacramento to go with my dad, who lives mm-hmm. in Modesto. And I bu- here's the thing: I bought four tickets, and I spaced them apart such that with the current guidelines that they are putting in place, which are basically like two seats either side of you, are just pl- like distance seats. When you buy one ticket, you basically get 
a few seats. So I bought four tickets and I bought essentially 18 seats in the movie theater. <laughs> the way so that cool. I arranged it. And then I had a, a free ticket from being a movie club member and they were running a promo, basically giving away tickets and the tickets are only $5. So I basically bought uh, 18 movie seats for $5. But only four people can sit there. Well, yeah. I'm just making sure people don't get excited and think they're going to no, take they, 18 friends to the movies. N- 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 yeah, you're right, I guess. But technically, you can stick them all together and you still get kind of a radius of safety. Slash yeah, exactly. personal space. I'm waiting for the one asshole that comes out of the woodwork is like, this is infringing on my rights in the movie theater. I want to sit knee to knee and bumping elbows with somebody eating a two-gallon thing of popcorn, which is usually me. Like, this is – think what you want about social distancing. This is a win for everybody. If you go to the movies like I do, you don't want anyone no. else this, in the this theater. Should, I would pay – I would pay. I would have paid for the 18 seats. I wouldn't. I can't afford that. But if I could buy like an extra and upgraded seat that would give me sort of fresh air around me and nobody kicking the back of my seat slash talking slash being on their phone, I'd pay that every time happily. Mm-hmm. So I'm, to, I guess, picking it back off of you – very also excited about this yes i am very excited excited to get back in there i know uh initially like you said they're going to be playing a bunch of classic movies i've yeah. seen that like they're going to bring back like jurassic park which oh hell yeah yeah i'm right. in the mood for some silver screen laura dern in my life what did you know that uh actually jurassic park was never going to be made they, it was a sort of a last ditch effort and it was by the nazis they're the reason that it got made what Oh, I'm sorry. I actually just revised history. That was my bad. Oh, my God. You silly bastard. That was a ridiculous sorry. segue. Sorry. Um, my last hot is one of my favorite podcasts on the whole planet is back for a season five. Uh, he does seasons and they usually last like five or six, maybe seven episodes, sometimes 10. I don't remember. Look it up. Uh, but Revisionist History, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast is back, and it is a look at things that have happened in the past that maybe need to be revisited or didn't get enough light shed on them at the time. So essentially, it's kind of the same theory as a documentary, but in podcast form, where you're looking at things that have happened throughout history, the the world even. There's a lot of global stuff that he talks about, uh, and then he breaks it down into like a macro, micro type situation. Um, but it's one of my favorite podcasts and he just released, uh, episode one of season five. And I'm going to tease it by saying, if you didn't know what the art museum in New York and the Hobbit, the novel have Mm -hmm. in common, you should listen to this podcast episode so you can find out. I want to guess. I already know it. I think I know it. What is it? It's a dragon. It's a dragon or like a, like a dinosaur. Maybe is it a dinosaur? No art museum, bud. Oh, is it a picture of a dinosaur? <laughs> no. I was really thinking dragon was a good move. But okay, fine. Um, Listen you to know, the it's funny because you, you guessed completely out of pocket and in one sense wrong. But okay. also that's 100% right. Okay, how do you figure? Um, the newest episode is called, um, oh God, what was it called? Like the key, like the the principle of a dragon's horde or something. Oh, like really? That. I feel like yeah. maybe, maybe it's in my subconscious because I feel like I saw this podcast scrolling through my feed, and I might have just like seen that uh, unconsciously and just said it. Probably. I don't know if it was a full guess. Uh, that's possible. But how do you not think of a dragon with the Hobbit? You know. Yeah, but what does that have in common with an art museum? I heard. I heard. Um, science museum. 
or oh. any i just heard museum i didn't hear you say art. oh conscious yeah the the art museum in new york all right yeah it was it, but anyway it's a fascinating podcast and it takes all kinds of twists and turns but wait it's they, always... they both take so long they put you to sleep is that no it? That's... no the hobbit you're talking about i hate the hobbit <laughs> no but there it's very enlightening and you always learn stuff and uh i really enjoy it i think he's a very good storyteller uh good narrator of the things that he's written and overall it's a very high quality podcast so nice, that dude. is a big ups on my driving entertainment list and uh, i really enjoy it i learn a lot and it's always fun because you learn stuff and you want to like share it and like yeah. talk about it with others people and then everybody's like what's um, a, what is a podcast and you're like we got to start right? at ground zero with this shit Exactly. All right. Well, there's a button on your iPhone. Yeah. Dude, I've I've, told so I've had to do that. that. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, here's how the conversation goes. And if anybody listening has a podcast, hopefully you can attest. Somebody asked me about beer or a movie, and then I'll say something like, oh, you like you've thought about this. And I'm like, yeah, I have a, a podcast, and this is what we talk about. And they're like, oh, cool. I'll, ch- I'll check it out sometime. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, they're like, yeah, no, I'll check it out. And I was like, do you have an iPhone or an Android? They're going to get an iPhone. I was like, oh, cool. If you really do want to check it out, I can literally show it to you right now. You basically have it. And I don't think those people ever check it out, but I like to just try to evangelize whenever I can. If they don't know where the podcast button is on their phone, they're never going to check Dude, our show people out. don't. Yeah, people don't even know, A, what a podcast is, B, that they have access to them, because how would you if you don't know what it is? And then, like, their mind has been blown two times already. They're not interested in hearing us talk about nothing. Yeah, too much, too much information coming yeah. in quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last time I saw my dad, he was like, "How's your blogging going?" Yeah, or like, "I just watched your podcast." <laughs> it's, it's very common on. Like, oh yeah, I watched a great podcast. It's like I don't think you ever have done this ever, right? But he was trying to be trendy and uh, like hip, yeah, and yeah. I think he just like Googled what blogging was, yeah. and he's like, "That's what they do." So you said it's and going great. I was like, "Yeah, man, we're we're doing good. Thanks for we're asking. It. We've yeah, won yeah. like three Emmys. It's great. fingers are cramping." Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, kind of in the vein of revisionist history, if I may jump off of uh, that moving horse, I watched a I watched a podcast today. No, I watched a I watched a vlog, which is sort of the combination of the two, and the it's called Understanding the Lost Cause Myth. And if you're not familiar, like I wasn't, basically the lost cause is a, a formal term coined by somebody whose name starts with P. I think it's like Pollock or something or Pollard. I think it's Pollard back in decades ago, basically about how this sort of falsified myth of the South's reasons for fighting the civil war are not at all about slavery and are mostly about tradition. And like all of these concepts that somehow have gotten trickled into the mainstream consciousness of American society. And this video essay deconstructs it and is like, here's why people think that. Here's why that's incorrect. And there's even, because hmm. I've heard that a lot. Like I've heard people be like, no, a lot of people in the South didn't even fight the Civil War because of slavery. And I, like I've heard that so many times that I kind of just, I never thought about it. I was like, yeah, that's probably true. And it's like, no, it was for sure for keeping slaves. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing. That's basically the entire thing. Right. Um, so if you want to check it out, it's by a guy on YouTube called The Cynical Historian. Again, it's called Understanding the Lost Cause Myth. And it's a 33-minute video. I think it's uh, worth throwing on while you do the dishes or something. That's what I did. Yeah, that's short. Yeah. Um, last thing, I suppose, or second to last thing, since uh, I want to talk about the commons. Yes, I played a show. It was super fun. I thought I had food poisoning right before I started. About a half an hour before I started, I was like, something is clearly not good. 
And I don't know if I can do this to the point where like Gianna was there and she, I was telling her she didn't have to, but she was like, I'm gone. I'm going to go home and get you. She got me, um, some anti-nausea pill that was chewable and also Pepto-Bismol. And I took them both. And I played the first 30 minutes of that, like three hour thing thinking I would either defecate or vomit. Intense. You were so pale. I felt horrible. Yeah. Uh, but the show, as they say, must go on. So it went great. Um, it got pretty weird by the end of the night. I leave it as one of those things. If you were there, you got to experience it. If not, come to the next one. Yeah, um, it was a good time, man. The The very last thing I want to talk about in Hot and Bothered is last week I talked about changing my lifestyle a little bit and adopting some new habits, ditching some old ones. And it's been a week of that, a little over a week, a week of minus the weekend, waking up at today, 645, because my body was like, I guess you're getting up, but seven o'clock usually. Um, not being on my phone, limiting my screen time on my phone, but also this the reason I don't flick pics. I haven't been watching as much TV. Um, I have been drinking less during the week. I feel fantastic. I wake up with energy. It's not all the drinking thing. It's everything combined. Um, and I've just been trying to be more proactive with my time. So when I use like my hour and a half of two or two hours of like playing a video game or watching a movie, I'll just grab a book instead or go exercise and I've been eating better as a result because I'm not hung over or drunk at the moment it's just a really lovely uh, thing that I've been doing this week and I, I plan to do it for another week so we'll see how it goes nice I was gonna I was actually on my list of things to do in hot and bother but you followed up so I yeah. didn't have to write it down yeah I that's think, awesome yeah. I'm glad it's going well yeah one thing uh, it's affected my life personally uh, with your behavior you missed the whiskey no oh. you <laughs> Text back so much quicker. So much earlier, too, huh? Yeah, we Didn't had a nice text conversation morning, at like, like 7.30 this morning. Yeah, I was already, I was moving. I was already sending emails, and I was like, oh, he's a little bit late, late to the jump this day. I know. <laughs> I, was, I cool. waited. I waited. I was going to text you at like 6. Yeah, yeah. No, send it, man. Why not? I'm just keep, I just keep getting up earlier and earlier. I can't stop it, I guess. But I'm well, fine. I, mean, I love the mornings. And it's so GD hot out right now. Like, I'm, I'm, my, this room was so cool when we started. And it's just, it's so hot outside. It's only getting hotter this week. What is it, like 109 on Friday? Something like that, gonna, yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah, it's not good. No. No. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And it's nice having uh, more more immediate and then more um, coherent and more remembered conversations. Dude, why is that the case for you? I mean, with you. Oh, like, our you conversations. Mean, you're, you're just kind of softballing it to me it's nice that i remember talking about stuff well there's a lot of evenings after i've gone to sleep where i wake up <laughs> oh sure to sure, sure. one two three yeah, text yeah. messages from drunk max and yeah. i love them yeah, yeah because they're insightful and you probably don't remember sending them oh it's never to- it's never that bad you can always check my grammar that's how you tell yeah that's fair they're always reasonably done well with grammar yeah um but yeah, it's 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 fun to not do that too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fun to remember and like have good ideas and share them, and then actually apply them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there, there's pros and cons to both. One way of living is much more fun, but also not as sustainable. Yes, and it's been—I mean, it's been like three months of me not really having any day-to-day responsibilities, and you know that got old. I was just like, I get it. I'm not. I don't care. I don't want to stay up until three anymore. It was cool yeah. for a while, and then it even became a little bit less cool, but I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing, and now it's just yeah. like, I got I to gotta do something different, you know? There's a term for that, and it's called giving someone so much rope that they can hang themselves. Yes. 
Yes. Like you've been given so much free time that you realize you need to be more productive. Yeah. I think I got cocky too. Cause I usually do have that much free time or I thought I did, but I actually have things I have to get done because I have shows or that's it actually just shows. I'm like, all right, well I got to either like, uh, wake up to drive somewhere or, um, like be sure to be in bed early so I can rest my voice. And it's just like none of that lately, except for like the occasional gig. Yeah. Just, yeah. Went off the rails a little bit there for a while. Yeah, I'm and I, 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 I see also that your time management has gotten better. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's huge. Because in my brain, there's, no, there's nothing to manage. So, you know, exactly. just get it and done, that's, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that's totally something that we've had arguments about in the past. Like, um, just time management, <laughs> you know. Have we? And, you, you know, I don't it's remember. Like, I guess I was drunk. Have we really had those <laughs> arguments, though? Yeah, I had to bring up to you... Um, my time is kind of valuable not to be like cocky, but like, <laughs> like, um, respecting time when it affects other people. Oh, and sure. Like just oh, the, the, the value of time in other people's yes. lives and just your time management and your lifestyle and how it fits into normal people's lifestyles will naturally cause some friction. Yeah, dude. And I mean, even before your, your, your modification, of your lifestyle, we had definitely come to some, some middle ground on that, but uh, I can totally see your time management and your your allocation of time and and whatnot improving. And I I just want you to know I see that and I like it. I respect you. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So that's that's my hot and bothered this week, dude. I give it a month. He goes off the fucking rails. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like a roller coaster, right? I'm I'm on a I'm on a I don't know a high or a low right now, depending on your perspective, and we'll see. You know, there's nothing wrong with with modifying behavior to yeah. to suit your life and whatever makes you happy at the moment. I mean, I kind of been trying to do the same thing, maybe even subconsciously. I'm just mm-hmm. like drink less a yeah, little bit, yeah, you sure. know, drink less during the week. And I only had two beers last night. Yeah, and I could not go to sleep. I'm like, oh no, that's dude. That's yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of those. It's like shoot. That's like yeah. You know, I was gonna have one beer last night for this movie, and then I it was a course light too. Um, and then I was like, oh, there's like an hour and a half left. I guess I'll have one. I'll be naughty and have, and I made a thing of popcorn. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's almost like a movie theater, but not quite. Right. I made popcorn last night too. It's the first time I've done it in a while. How much did you eat? Uh, I ate, it was just a little microwave bag. I ate the whole oh, thing. Yeah. Okay. I made a huge, like a huge pot of it. You remember that chili pot? Yeah. I made that much. Oh, like from scratch popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I yeah, do that. It's great. But I, I, okay. ate, I ate like, no joke, maybe three mouthfuls. I was like, that's enough. I'm, I don't want it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Such a bummer. Well, when you start eating like less and better, you realize that too. You're like, I don't need to eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. For lunch yesterday, I had uh, a chicken breast and green beans, like a shit ton of green beans. And that was my lunch. That's like felt, the most felt pretty good though. thing you've I ever said. so good. I literally said to Gianna last week, I said, middle of the day, which for me is no longer 5 p.m. It's like noon. I said to Gianna, I said, I, I literally feel twice as happy as I've felt in weeks. Yeah. Well, and it's a culmination. Like you said, you clean up the diet a little totally. bit. And like when you're drunk, you get the drunk munchies. Yeah. I get so snacky when I'm drunk. Yeah. yeah. Like but if yeah. I had like four to six White Claws, I'm like, you know, it's midnight, but let's make <laughs> Ice some cream. quesadillas. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. quesadillas is a great, great drunk food. Oh, yeah. Oh, Can't yeah. beat it. Or, or like, oh, we had that leftover dinner that I was going to eat for lunch tomorrow, but yeah. nah. I'm yeah. That now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. I think the tricky well, thing is when you're in it, it's hard to detect. Yeah, exactly. Until you get some space from it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah. 
so this this behavior this this fun that I'm having is is making the rest of my life not as fun. Before we uh, dig ourselves in a deeper hole of, of doing the opposite of what our podcast should be, how much of that beer do you have left? <laughs> uh, half. Did you set it aside? Yeah. Okay. I'm still sipping mine. I think we make the move into the danger zone to talk about spoilers for the Five Bloods. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay. Be forewarned one last time. If you haven't seen this film yet, we're going to spoil it. So go watch it if you want. If not, you've been warned. And here we go into the danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay, Johnny, we're in the danger zone. Let's talk. We're here. The five bloods. The five bloods. How do you want to start this? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, we just walked out of the theater, right? Uh, I didn't like a lot about that movie, and I feel like a bad white person for not loving it, and I've been trying to figure out how to navigate that. Is that weird? I don't know if it's weird, but it's not justified. You don't, I don't think that's a, a, a re, a not, I don't want to say it's not a real feeling. You're having it. It's not um, something you should feel. Yeah. I just, you know, you have to like look at art for art and then like, you know, politics and stuff play a factor. But yeah, yeah I don't want to like get clouded by that lens necessarily. Yeah. No, I, so. nor, nor should you. I don't think. But, but yeah. So that was like one of my first thoughts. And then I was just like, Man, that movie just didn't work for me. There were so many weird tonal shifts, like mm-hmm. you were saying, and like the weird editing, and like, like that one scene where all of a sudden mm-hmm. those bomb people are just there. Oh, oh, that wasn't even just a tonal thing for me. For me, that was like we've left. I think at least the realm of probability, definitely realistic. Yeah, but even even right before that, like it's been all of the death that we have seen on screen up to this point has mostly been in historical flashbacks. I think, if not all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's all very heavy. I I watched the first opening sequence. It's probably like two and a half minutes long of just like people, literal footage of people getting shot in the head, children, dead, uh, malnourished, yeah. all sorts of like really intense stuff. Then the, after that first sequence, the next the next time we see violence, it's it's when, um, uh, who is it? I think it's Eddie, Norm Lewis's character, steps on a landmine, almost comically explodes like you would see in a Tarantino film or something. Yeah. And is given very little time that scene is given very little time to, to breathe. We just kind of move on and everyone's like fucking Vietnam, I guess. And then those, the bomb defusing people, um, show up. I don't know, man, that was super weird. That whole scene was super weird. Yeah, it really was. Also, it totally yeah. threw me for a loop. And like Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, his, his turn from like empathizable PTSD suffering guy to mm-hmm. like full on, psychopath kidnapping these people going off losing his mind yeah all while wearing more and more obviously this maga hat really rubbed me the wrong way yeah that was weird the way that they that it was just kind of like crammed like one of these black dudes is just super pro-trump and conservative and it just didn't fit i mean that's and that's a thing but it just doesn't play into any larger narrative thing here there's like yeah we're gonna make him be a very by his actions in this a, a Trump supporter, but also clearly insane. And I didn't like how that hat passed off from crazier to crazier and meaner and meaner. Granted, I I think if anybody's ever heard the show, my thoughts on Trump are clear. I just again don't think it fits into this movie. Yeah, I which agree. is such a bummer because Black Klansman again was so poignant, loved it, and I just was ex- I think expecting something a little bit more. Um, 
yeah, pointed or poignant or uh, had something else to say. If you're going to bring in modern day events, make a statement about those events by the end. Say something. You know, right. that's I guess that was my issue with it. And for me, it almost felt like they just needed an excuse to get that hat in the movie. Yeah, I mean, c- kind of. Yeah. Right. Like I just it was confusing. Yeah. So that was that was strange. I didn't I didn't love that. I, how did you feel about? Um, OK, let me actually just tell you how I felt and then you can respond. I don't need to, I guess, ask you. You can just tell me. But my feelings were that in the beginning of this movie. It was very much about these men dealing with the trauma they experienced while fighting a war. They felt they weren't, they didn't need to be there for, they were being exploited. All that stuff that is very valid. By the end of it, Mm -hmm. it felt like a bit of an action movie that was fetishizing the same violence that we were so told to uh, question in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, a little bit. And I didn't, I don't know, like it just, it was such a weird left turn after the, they come out of the jungle and the uh, Vietnamese dudes come and try to take the gold. Then there's that firefight. Everything from that point on minus like the final 10 minutes felt so out of place to me. Yeah. It was really strange. And the whole thing, like the whole main plot was a little confusing in the way that at first you kind of think they're going back to get this gold. Right. And they're going to give it to the black community. Like, I think a couple of them, or at least one of the guys, thought that that was the plan all along. I think they, at the beginning, all thought that was the plan all along. I think they were yeah, all on the and, same page. And then it degrades into this greed and money lust once they actually find it. A whole nother and aspect, there's all yeah. this, yeah, all this talk of shares, and they kind of prelude that um, by the the one lady saying that you know gold tears people apart and hands somebody a gun. I'm yeah. like, oh. This is like the most obvious Chekhov's gun situation totally. in history. Like, it was, oh, this is going to go completely it sideways. It was so obvious that I was like, there's no way that Spike Lee would do that. Same thing happened with um, with Isaiah Whitlock Jr.'s character, Melvin, who at the beginning of the movie said, I would never jump on a grenade for you guys or whatever. Or not the beginning of the movie when they're walking through the jungle. Yeah. And it was a couple of things like, like the gun and that line and – um, I'm sure I'll think of something else, but like, well, and then the the guy just randomly meets bomb diffusers. I'm like, oh, somebody's going like, to step on yeah. a landmine. There was, I mean, this is just maybe a a production thing or a, the way they shot it, but I right after Eddie explodes, everybody's fine with like. At one point, somebody literally runs across this clearing to go. Yeah, like, everyone's just running what everywhere. Are you, what are you doing? There's there's yeah. bombs. There's landmines. Exactly. Know? And then one continuity area that bugged me is all the those three people from Lamb mm-hmm. were were tied up for a second, and the very next scene they were all untied hiking through the jungle. It's like, did you just tie them up so you could bury your friend? Like it made it was strange. Uh, you, I can think of two times or one time when they're tied up on the tree at night. No, it was right after they first uh, oh, yeah. get get his son off of the the landmine, and he's like he's uh, like tie them up or you're not my son. Yeah, and Which then they tie like, him what up. What the fuck, man? Exactly. Like all you of a sudden, you just saved his life, and you cared. So, and he's like, "You're not gonna tie up these people for a pretty good reason, by the way." And you're like, "You're not my son. And you don't grab that rope." It's like that seems harsh, at least. Yeah, and those those swings in that person were just like, all, like very confusing and a little off putting. Like, what is going on? Like, yeah, you, he was just so emotional about saving his son, and then he's just within like. 30 seconds he's like you ain't my son if you don't do that yeah i was like it doesn't what and and again I mean, like maybe that's a valid personality trait sure of somebody that's been through this much trauma but my problem is it seemed like almost every 
turn of that insanity, we'll call it, he like adjusts his hat and it's like an indicator of somebody's trauma from the war. And that's the part that rubs me the wrong way. It's like, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement to make. Yeah. Regardless of facts. That's just like, you're making a stance on something here that nobody is going to be able to back up. Yeah. And like the one dude had Oxycontin on him because his hips all trashed because oh, they're yeah. old. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he was a junkie Every, trader. And not even just that. He thought he, he was like, now you guys think I'm a junkie? Pour him out. I don't need these. There's like, yeah, there's these like weird plot beats. It almost felt like they were trying to fit some pieces into what they thought the final picture was going to be. But the final picture didn't match up because the pieces that, that were going to make it weren't similar to, or weren't even what the characters had been built up so far to react like. That's not what they it, would do. So to have them do this in this random moment just to serve a greater purpose, which, by the way, wasn't so great, just was so not good. It was I just didn't like it. It didn't work. Yeah. And I really didn't like Jonathan Majors, who played David and um, Hetty's character. Their interactions were so like bipolar. Uh, it was yeah. just complete. It took me out of it. Yeah. I was like, you're spitting in his face, calling him human filth. Yeah. And then you're like nursing him back to health. Yep. Like what? I don't. And I just it didn't make sense. Like everyone's mindset had to change so rapidly for those scenes to make sense. Yeah. Um, yes. And some of the scenes almost reminded me of like theater acting. They were like overacted to the point where it was like, is this supposed to be a joke? Yeah. There's there's something about. I think it's the editing or or maybe just the framing of certain shots that do sort of give off a live theater kind of vibe, or maybe it's the, the, yeah, like the time spent between lines and the, and the, the over the top sort of uh, expressions and and delivery and all this stuff. But I, I I don't know. I think that works well in some situations like fences was, was actually a play. Um, Yeah. And, and I think that approach in that movie worked really well. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And this one, I don't think it landed at all. Also the actor, I'm going to try it again. Jasper Pakunin. I don't know what the dots above the letters mean, but Pakunin. Sure, that guy who was also in Black Klansman uh, got blown up in both movies, which I thought was, uh, you know, a nod. I guess he was the mm-hmm. super uh, white power guy in uh, in Black Klansman. I thought that was kind of funny. Also, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that the uh, four main dudes, five actually main dudes, Paul, Otis, Melvin, Eddie, and David. Uh, were actually all named after the Temptations. At one point, Jonathan Major's character David is like, "No, I'm actually from not from the Bible, from the Temptations." Uh, they're all those are all Temptation names. A lot of That's emphasis funny. placed on um, on music here. I also wanted to shout out one last thing before I forget, which is a playlist on Spotify called "The Five Bloods Official Playlist," and it is the soundtrack of the movie. But there's these. I want to see if I can see. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, like ten tracks that are about thirty seconds each, like five minutes of commentary by both Spike Lee and Terrence Blanchard about kind of their approach to music in this movie. And I think it's worthwhile. I, it was over before I knew it. And I think it's a pretty nice soundtrack anyways. Um, okay. So if you want to check it out again, the five bloods playlist, official playlist on Spotify. Yeah, worthwhile. definitely. Anything else you got for this that you wanted to, to hit? Um, Yeah, dude. How long was this movie? Yeah. Two hours and 34 minutes. It's real long. I, you know, I never really lost interest. I think maybe partially because there were so many shifts in this movie. Like, I guess it's going somewhere else now, but it never bored me. I'll give it that. Hmm. Yeah. It it just, it definitely got, uh, it started feeling long. Like I've been watching this movie for a real long time. Yeah. 
That's fair. But yeah. So yeah, I think it, it, it definitely missed the mark for me. All right. Well, check it out if you guys want. It's on Netflix. I think, I think Spike Lee. Oh, wait. Very last thing, I suppose. Uh, ever since Black Klansman, there's that shot in the end of that movie where it's the two leads and there's this, it's called a double dolly shot where basically the actors will stand on the same or a, a, a same moving dolly. So they're moving with the camera or holding oh, still yeah. and then everything else moves. And it's such an iconic shot and it's in this movie. It's actually looked it up and it's in a bunch of Spike Lee movies because he basically invented that shot. It's, it's, it's such a strong indicator of Spike Lee filmmaking, which I think is so cool. Cause you start looking for it and he really likes even the backwards the backwards dolly shot when the characters are walking towards the camera that happens a lot in this movie. And mm-hmm. then it almost like primes you for when he sticks them on the dolly and it, the, the, the world moves around them. It's a really, really, really cool shot. I like that. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That those were cool. Thing. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. End of show notes. Of course, the show wouldn't be possible without Bailey Minardi. Do you have anything you want to tease for next week, Johnny? Um, not really. We haven't discussed too much what movie we want to do, so let's let it be a surprise. Wait, let's do that Judd Apatow one you wanted to do. Do you want to just do that? Might as well. Unless something awesome comes out between now and then, let's do it. Yeah, so that's the King of Staten Island. I think it's, you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's available for rent on yeah. places? Yeah, like everywhere. I think it's like 20 bucks to watch it. Yeah, okay, great. Um, give us some feedback. If you've had uh, this beer from Mike Hess or you've had the beer from Epic or you've seen Five Bloods, obviously shoot us an email or leave us a voicemail and then, or I guess a voice memo and email it to us. And then Facebook and Instagram. If you really felt saintly today, you could leave us a review or at least a rating on Apple podcasts. It really helps other people find the show, which helps us to uh, continue making the show, I guess, in a sense. So that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We'll see you next time. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.